When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Welcome in to the DNBR Avalanche podcast on a Saturday. Bringing it to you here on the weekend. This is originally going to be a bonus pod. Uh, then the parade happened and everyone got drunk and exhausted and everything. So we just had to push it. Uh, I'm here with a very special guest, old friend of the pod, the former host of this very podcast, uh, JJ Jerez. JJ, we here. We're here. We were in Tampa. Uh, we like drunkenly talked about doing shows together all summer. And so I was like, yeah, screw it. We'll do one here. Give uh, give the rest of the DNVR crew the day off and you and I can hang out. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm here to do. Talk about it, right? Usually on Saturdays, I have my own show. My co-host there, he yep. came down with an illness, the common illness everybody's been getting the last couple of years, yeah. right? Uh, so, oh, I think I've heard of Yeah, I think I heard yeah, people getting something with a B. Or, something. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure. But yeah, so I've been itching to talk about this, right? I mean, the last week I've spent just sleeping, catching up on, <laughs> on all the hours we missed. I mean, Jesse, you and I had ourselves a night, the night of the Stanley yeah. Cup night, um, didn't sleep a wink. So yeah, just spent the whole week thinking about what happened, processing it all, yeah. right? And it's just been still hard to really believe. I mean, the videos help seeing the players yeah, yeah, there, yeah. watching uh, McDermott fall over with the cup in Bro. his hand. It's, it's, set, <laughs> it's setting in now, but um, like you said, everybody was drinking, everybody was getting drunk and how crazy is it that EJ pointed out that they were looking for a bar, right? And couldn't yeah. find that had alcohol anymore. That Denver drank this town dry. So good for you guys. Good for Denver. Dude. Well, so because yeah, so you and I were in Tampa, obviously the night they won. So we weren't we weren't in Denver. We didn't see what all went down. You know, what I obviously I saw pictures and stuff of, of what it was like out in the streets and, and stuff like that. But I didn't have a full grasp of just how crazy it was. Well, dude, it was a Sunday. Oh my Sunday God, you're right, night. yeah. <laughs> so for the town of Denver to go out there and get crazy on a Sunday night when most people probably had work the next morning, I mean, that's the kind of effort that wins championships. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, no excuses. Everyone was prepared for the moment, just the way Jared Bednar talked about all year. Uh, so yeah. Play to your identity, Denver. <laughs> they, they did just that. And they did it. Uh... Ooh, ooh. Sorry, I just saw someone say that we were a little softened. I've never been told that I'm too quiet, um, but hopefully that helps. Uh, but yeah, man, so I thought you'd uh, come on over. We, we have the studio being remodeled, so I rearranged things here in my little uh, makeshift studio at home. Thought we could talk about all of that stuff, just everything. Our time in Tampa, what's kind of happened since. The abs are still on, like, going on a, a week-long bender here. Don't look like they're showing any signs of slowing down. Uh, and we'll get a little bit into off-season stuff and next season. But you and I also talked about when we were out there, 
you are a much better driver of the show than I am. You, this used to be your show uh, that you uh, that you drove. So I'll let you kind of take over. All right. Yeah. AJ and I, you know, we had a uh, magic together back in the day and a lot of people miss us. And yeah, that's kind of my role here in Denver. I'm a podcast host, right? I'm not so much the uh, expert guy. So I'll, I'll do it. I mean, uh, I guess a good place for us to start. Uh, Jesse is talking about that off day we had in Tampa Bay, right? Yep. We'll get into the X's and O's, we'll get into the games, but that off day that we had in Tampa was one of the more uh, memorable experiences I think either you or I will ever yeah. live through, right? Um, I guess, I, I don't know, how do you want to break that down? Do you want to go step by step on what our day was like that day? Because there's a lot, a lot that happened, right? Dude, uh, there was a ton. I mean, like, it's one of those things where I've been talking to folks, you know, just obviously we were in a very cool situation, right? Very lucky to be out there. Um, and I've been talking to people about that night. Yeah. Before even the, the, the cup night and, and all that stuff and, and the night they win all the celebrations and like recounting the night that you're talking about. It was the, it was the off day, right? Right. Yeah. The off day in Tampa. The more I tell people about it, I'm like, this is crazy. Like it's crazy every time I bring it up. We literally lived an NHL fairy tale, <laughs> right? And I, I guess let's start. It, it all started from practice, which was kind of a whatever practice from yep. the Avs, right? Just kind of a get it out of the way. Let's get a power play. Let's get a penalty kill, and we're off. So from there, yep. we were like, "Hey, seems like we've got a, an off day here." We started drinking, right? <laughs> you walk about a block and a half from Emily Arena, which right. is where practice was. So, so I was just making sure we're all dialed in here. Well, so that was the other thing too, that I've been telling a lot of people was the area around Emily arena. Beautiful. Dude, it's unmatched. Fantastic. The way I keep explaining it to people is it's like Coors field. It's, it's the Tampa Bay equivalent of Lodo, right? Cause it's right there in a popping little area. It's almost more like DTC, right? Cause it was, it was like a downtown, yeah. but nowhere near as busy as a downtown. Yeah, 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 it, yeah. We almost had this little NHL bubble going on yeah. right because well because everyone was in those three hotels right there right exactly yeah. so that was our day we went to practice we left about a block and a half just went and had some mojitos down by the river walk i'm i'm, I'm already thinking about minding our own business that's what you and i's mo was <laughs> we were minding our own business throughout the day and suddenly the altitude team comes and joins yeah. us right so there we're getting some beverages with Mosier, with mcgahee with the jesse trujillo right. um yep and then again, just keep minding our day. They went and did their own thing. We went and did our own thing. Next bar we're at, Jared Bednar and the coaching staff. Yeah. And it's like, oh, wow. Okay. Hey, guys, what's going on? We're going to go over here and do our thing. We watched the NHL award show from there. <laughs> yep. And neither of us expecting Kale McCarr to win. So we're like, you know, I, we're I was just trying to be optimistic about it. Like when everyone was around, I was like, oh, I think he'll win. But I, everyone, everyone, we all thought it was Yossi. Yeah, part of part of it was wishful thinking for me. Like, <laughs> oh, if Yossi wins, we could stay here, keep drinking our mojitos. Yeah. Um, but no, Kale McCarr wins, so we got a sprint over back to Amelie Arena. We get there just in the nick of time, catch some Kale McCarr interview, get some content out of there, and we're back out. We're yeah, back yeah. on the streets. Yep. Uh, it gets hazy for me a little bit there. <laughs> well, and and again, so this was the other part of it that that was so fun was yeah, we watch him win. And because of because we had all the schedules and all that stuff, the area around the arena was so it, it was such a good area that like we never got in an Uber, we never got in a scooter. It was all just like cool, bounce from here, go here, check this out, go back to the arena, wait for Kale, all that stuff. And then like you said, then right back out, got everything that we needed to. Um dude, it was it was just 
It was perfect. Right. It sounds like Lodo to me. Yeah, that's yeah. the same way you would yeah. explain Lodo. I did spend a lot of time on Lime scooters, but in the Florida weather on a Lime scooter, ooh, there's, there's not much better you can do. Once the sun went – so right around all the time that this stuff is happening with kale, the sun starts going down, and that's when it's just like perfect, dude. Right. I know people hate the humidity and all that stuff in Florida. Perfect. It was perfect. It yeah. was very tolerable. Um, next thing you know, we're sitting at the – the same bar we started at right <laughs> next to the river. And again, just minding our own business. And the Greg Wachinski comes and sits with us. Yeah. yeah. It almost gives us a private little 20, 30 minute podcast, yeah. right? We talk hockey for about 10 minutes and then we talk travel and culture. And it's like, this is just the most Greg Wachinski conversation on the planet. Well, and, and dude, it was fun because I brought up the bland thing to him. Mm -hmm. I, I said, look, I was like, <laughs> how much have people actually been in your DMS, in your mentions, saying you know just giving you a hard time for the bland thing and, and like i know people want to dunk on him and like we've even talked about him you know on the show and stuff and he's like a really good sport about it he's like yeah they were all over me for it didn't try to like go out of his way to like oh this is what i meant this is what blah, blah, blah. laughed about it he's like yeah i said what i said people took it a different way and people are going to take stuff a different way and it's fine it was pretty it was much awesome. it was pretty much that game two game right the one here in denver where I was like, I think I get it. Because the Avalanche, if you remember that first period, they came out buzzing. Yeah. Tampa Bay came back into the game and eventually went to overtime. Avs went. Yep. But I got it that day. That's when I was like, this is a bland team. Because I'm sitting there. It's the Stanley Cup final. And it's the towards the end of the first period. I'm like, is this over? Is this series <laughs> over? Like, I'm half asleep in this playoff setting. Like, yeah. how is this so boring? How is this so bland? I got well, it. I well, understood the bland comment. For and sure. even the... Was was Kale's shorty the seventh goal in that game too? Or no, I'm sorry. It was the it was the Kale power play goal uh, in in game two. Where yeah, like they scored and it's Stanley Cup final and there's not a celebration from the guy on, from the guys on the ice. His second goal of that yeah, night, right? Just casual yeah. fist bumps. Cool. Let's get out of here. We don't want to blow them out here. Let's be good sports. <laughs> yeah. And it's like this is the final. Yeah, this is not the way it's supposed to be going. And and I guess the fun part about it now in retrospect is like. The bland is, I think, part of what made them so good. And I think maybe that was even his point. Like, they're so good, it's boring to watch at times. Well, I was thinking about this today because on NHL Network, they're kind of replaying every elimination game from the Avs run. Yeah. And in thinking about it, you, you saw so much production from the trade deadline, guys, right? I yeah. mean, they were pivotal in these playoffs. And Going back to the trade deadline or even pre-trade deadline, the Avalanche were killing it, right? They had that amazing January, and you're sitting here thinking, what does this team even need to be better? There's there's not much this team could even do with the trade deadline to really put themselves over the bar because they're already over that bar. They're already a, a head taller than everybody else in the league. But then they make those acquisitions, and lo and behold, come playoff time, those were some of the biggest goals of the playoffs, right? You had Arturi oh, Lekkanen really, really chipping in, really making huge. an impact. Cogliano's impact. I mean, we've already heard from the locker room itself saying how yeah. much he brought to that room. He's the one that calls the meeting the night before game six. Like it wasn't like, Oh, he spoke up at the meeting. No, this was Andrew Cogliano wanted to get the team together. And for someone to feel that comfortable in the room after what, six weeks, eight weeks, maybe I don't, I don't even remember. What, I, time is not a thing to me anymore. Um, I have no idea what day, week, month, <laughs> anything it is. Um, but yeah, for the role that he played, given when he came in, just you, you you can't put a value on it. Yeah, and you saw that. I mean, even in guys like 
uh, I mean, I know Kadri's been here for a while, but that was a hands down Joe Sackick move, yep. right? Yep. Um, maybe even Val Nachushkin definitely had some big goals there throughout the playoffs. I mean, none of those guys were the core. It almost felt like through that playoff run, the core guys were leading the way and the newer guys were finishing the way. Yeah. Right. No, dude, that's a great that's a great way of putting it. The the yeah, the 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 established stars were the ones starting it, but you needed all those yeah, new guys, however you want to describe them, to kind of put it all together and just put everything together at the end. I, you know, I, you haven't even mentioned Josh Manson. Yeah. Who, overtime winner, uh, big goal in game two at, at the, you know, or, or was it game two of this series? It all blends. It all blends together. But, you know, just I, either way, I mean, just big goal after big goal after big goal. Andrew Cogliano, granted, they both came in blowouts, two game winning goals in the playoffs. But you can't argue his impact on the penalty kill. Oh, my. Dude, well, and, bro, just the fact that this guy breaks his hand, gets surgery on it, comes back, and is diving in front of pucks his first shift back. Like, you expect – you and I talked about this. Like, you expect sometimes when guys get hurt like that to be a little bit tentative getting in front of a puck, be a little tentative going into the corner, uh, you know, be a little tentative uh, going to the front of the net. And that wasn't the case at all for Andrew Cogliano. He jumped right back in and played the way that he played consistently from his first shift back. Just unbelievable, dude. Yeah, yeah. And again, back to Manson, right? The physical presence that I think he brought was something I don't think we thought we needed here in Denver until he was here, right? Yeah. And, and it was like, oh, okay, I didn't see them making a move like this. But now that he's here, mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Right. I remember the moment, what was it, Nashville, where somebody tries to go after Kadri, right? Yep. Kadri just tries to kind of skate away, and Manson's like, I got this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take care of it. So you had Manson contributing in a, in a completely different way than the other guys. And while Nico Sturm wasn't amazing, he wasn't the most perfect uh, acquisition pickup, he played a lot of games, and he put in a lot of uh, time to not only get better, but just do what he could to improve the team from that fourth-line role, right? I, I was always amazed he's like one of the last guys on the ice at morning skate every single day almost to the point where we're always trying to guess is he a scratch is he not a scratch but no he wasn't scratched he was just out there putting in work i mean i loved when i would see him work on the face-offs he turns his stick upside down and tries to win face-offs with just the knob of his stick really i never noticed. yeah i I saw him do that a few times like that's the kind of detail that he worked on in his morning skates and his practices that i thought ultimately made him an amazing piece. Yeah. Well, and, and so it's so funny because we talked to Jared a lot about uh, the guys that were scratches. Cause that was the other thing with Joe Sackick bringing in all these guys, like you said, at when the roster was fully healthy, really a lot of these guys just kind of looked like kind of gravy, right? Like, well, you don't really need Josh Mance. You don't really need Arturi Lekkinen, but these guys just fit in so well. They're great depth pieces. And so we talked to Jared better at the start of the playoffs of, what are you looking for out of these guys that are healthy scratches that aren't necessarily getting in the lineup every night? And he said, we need everybody to be ready when their number is called because when their number is called, we're going to need them to play a big role. And to your point about Sturm, yeah, he didn't play a lot. Was he stellar? Maybe not, but he makes the big play. And yes, it goes off Andrew Cogliano, but he makes the huge play to get the game tied in game four to set them up for Nazem Kadri to have the, you know, the, the, OT winner that everyone will remember, uh, you know, it'll go down an avalanche legend. Now the, the cadre OT winner, 
that doesn't even that doesn't get close to happen if Nico Sturm isn't going to the net, gets a stick on the puck, um, and, and chips it back into the net. And again, it, it goes off Cogliano, but it, you know it's a wide open net. It's going in. That's Sturm making the play, and when he needed to, when his number was called, he was ready. That's exactly what he was brought in to do, right? Yeah. I mean, it was a Tyson Jost for Nico Sturm, essentially one for one. And when they brought in Sturm, I remember Jared Bednar sitting there and saying. Uh, we like his size. We like what he's going to be able to do in the defensive end versus some other centers that might have been there, some <laughs> smaller centers, right? He basically said he's better than Tyson Jost without saying he's better than Tyson Jost. Yeah. He kind of hinted at it. And, and yeah, that's exactly what you saw. So I loved the way that, that those guys contributed. And back to your point about Cogliano, right? I mean, having that um, pregame speech, having the boys ready to go and that, that fire that he was playing with that I don't give a shoot fire. <laughs> um, I, I guess that's just a testament to that classic NHL mentality of you don't know when you're going to be back. I mean, obviously yeah. he's probably not going to be back. Who knows how much longer his career is even going to last, but right, right. he's like, this is my one and only chance possibly. Right. I might, I, there's a good chance I'm never here again. I haven't been here in the, in the past. Um, so you saw that in him, right? And that's it where took you, me this long to get here. I'm not going to waste right, it. Right, exactly. Yeah. I'm going to do everything I can to win this. And um, I thought that was awesome for guys like Bo and Byram, Alex Newhook, the younger yeah. group to see something like that. Because, of course, you look at Tyler Sagan, right? He's the poster boy of this. You get there <laughs> early, you win it. You might never even be there again. So they see what it takes to not only get there, but what, it, what you got to do to win it once you're there. Yeah, and it's not just the – and this is the part, man, that – you and I talked about a bunch in in Tampa, uh, just the level of appreciation that this playoff run gave me for what it is that these guys go through, and it's not just obviously this kind of goes without saying. It's not just the the your raw ability and your raw skill. It's the work and it's the flights and the travel and the sacrifice and the time you're away from your family and and you know the the, the on the countless nights that those guys spend in hotel rooms. And, you know, you go into some of these cities, Tampa was an awesome city. There was a lot to kind of go out and see and do, but you know, this isn't like, I'm not like trying to take shots at Edmonton or St. Louis and stuff, but just where those arenas and stuff were situated, there wasn't really a ton of options. So like you are kind of are like in this little hockey bubble, like how you described it earlier. And so, you know, these players, they go out on the road in some of these playoff series and it's like, yeah, well, we can go to the hotel bar or we can go to the restaurant across the street or, ooh, the hotel bar, um, or we can go back to that restaurant across the street. And it's like, this is a grind. The the war of attrition thing is not an exaggeration. It's not a cliche. Like, it's just as much mental to get this far as it is physical. And, and I think you're right. Like, I think it was great for guys like Bowen Byram and, and Alex Newhook uh, and, and, you know, even to a lesser extent, Kale McCarr and, and guys in that age range where it's like to see a guy like Andrew Cogliano give everything to do this once. And it's like, are you willing to do this every year to get here? And and to set that example, I, I think, is I I invaluable. Now, obviously, these are young guys. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with, with new hook. Does he become the two C do they strap Byram next to McCarr and that become, you know, the, the ultimate kind of top pair. You know, we, we don't know where these guys are going to go, but to get that taste of this is the level of sacrifice that guys put in to get here. It's not just about being good. It's not just about having the hardest shot and, and being the fastest skater on the ice. 
you have to be willing to put in all this work and, and do all this. And it's why I think you and I were talking, you know, before that I really do. I feel like now that this group has gotten here once they've got the makings to do it two, maybe three more times. It's tough. It's really tough to do, but I, I think this group will get a couple more kicks at the can because they've seen the, what it takes to get there. And now they've felt the payoff. They're currently feeling the payoff. I'm sure they're feeling it right now at one 30 on a Saturday, um, you know, somewhere in Denver. Um, but they, you know, they understand now. And, and I think they'll, I, I, there's a reason Tampa has been there three years in a row. Yeah. That was going to be my next question to you. Well, first a, you remind me of Jared Bednar and his, uh, his, Parade speech, right? <laughs> Thank you for not crying there during it. But these guys sacrifice so much, and their their wives sacrifice a lot. But you know he's right. Um, but yeah, with, with your point to Tampa, Did you see Bo laughing behind him because his voice was yeah. He kept cracking and stuff like this. He shouldn't have fought it. Don't fight yeah, it. Just yeah, let yeah, it go. Because he, he was trying to fight it that he got squeaky. <laughs> um, but no, going to Tampa. Uh, I, obviously, Florida's Florida, right? People vacation there for a reason. So yep. when the the series was either uh, up in the air or MSG going to New York yeah. city or going to Tampa Bay. I had my fingers crossed. Like, come on Tampa. Yeah. And yeah. It lived up to the expectation, but yeah, to my Straight question up. to you was, um, you know, after all the heartbreak that we've seen the last couple of years, right. And it seemed like they, it was all part of the process, right. They were learning how to win in the playoffs. They were figuring it out. Now they got it done. Yep. Do you think now that because of that knowledge, they will be better equipped? I mean, they always had good teams, mm -hmm. but there was something missing. And yeah. it was perhaps that experience of what do you actually need to do to get it done? Do you think now they're better set up to, to make some more runs at it? I do. And, and I think a lot of that comes uh, from something that Kale McCarr said after they won, uh, after, after they won the Stanley Cup. And, and, and he's up there with, with his brother in the Conn Smythe Trophy. My favorite part about it is he's got the Conn Smythe Trophy. There. Like, he won and they won the cup. It's done. Everything's accomplished. And someone asked him about the con Smythe and he was like, he even like halfway J he's like, Oh, I don't care about this. Well, he, when he accepted the award, he went straight to the bench. He was like, here you guys go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Take this. I yeah. yeah. Not worried about it. But he talked about, um, game five of round two against St. Louis and how them losing that game. And, and it was something that we talked about on our show. And, and I think I've even talked about with you just around the rink and stuff that that game five to me was cool. This is the last lesson. We took our eyes off the prize for 10 minutes. We looked past our opponent for 10 minutes and it cost us a game. And we had to suddenly refocus and get back on the plane and, and, and go back to St. Louis. And it reminded me of the Vegas series. They blow Vegas out seven, nothing game one last year. And then they, don't play a good game and they still find a way to get a win. And to me, it just became, they, again, they, they looked past the opponent. Woof. All right. We got this. We're going to, you know, we're up to nothing. They're not going to beat us four times in a row. We got it. And Vegas made them pay. And it looked like they were, they had learned the lesson. And then game five against St. Louis, they did it again. And when they refocused and came back and won game six, the way they did, I said, okay, they get it now. They understand. And it's part of the reason why, you know, Tampa, yeah, they won game five, but Tampa had to lay everything out to win game five. They, you know, they didn't get any freebies from the apps. You can, people will talk about Kemper, you know, giving up a couple goals in that game that you don't like, but the abs didn't give anything away in that game five. Really, it never felt like they let Tampa up off the mat. 
You know what I mean? Tampa felt like they were having to scratch and claw. The Avs never really looked overwhelmed by the moment. And I think a lot of that came from the it being the turning point in round two. And so there's a very long-winded way of answering your question and saying, yeah, I do think so. I think they are more well-equipped for it now. I think they get it. I think they understand what you have to do, what it takes, um, and, and the mindset. That was the thing that impressed me about this team throughout this whole postseason more than anything else. Right up until that fight. I mean, Jared Bednar told us after – the guy started celebrating on the bench with seven seconds left because the puck was pinned in the far corner. And he said, I was sitting there and thinking, why are you guys celebrating? There's seven <laughs> seconds left. This dude was seven seconds away and couldn't bring himself to break out of that mindset. And it, and it was infectious throughout the team. And, and I think they get that now. And I think they understand the mindset more than anything. I'm a hundred percent with that. I think the mindset was everything for this team this year just keeping that even keel you heard it a million times it was reminiscent of the patrick wad days right he loved to say the words even <laughs> keel it was even to the point where once they beat edmonton and they creamed edmonton that series was Not never even, even a contest it almost felt like they were trying so hard to keep that even keel mindset and somebody whether it was bednar or somebody else said guys Let's take a break. Let's enjoy this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you started hearing Nathan McKinnon be like, oh, we want to enjoy this. We want to enjoy this. You heard it from a couple yeah. other guys. And they, were, they took a small step back from that even keel mindset, but they were able to snap it right back on, right? Yeah. I mean, it was amazing to me. Even throughout the regular season, you saw it. Nathan McKinnon, yeah, right? He was polar opposite of what we're used to seeing from Nathan McKinnon all year long. He loses. He wasn't pissy about it. He wasn't, uh, you know throwing a sour face all all night long he was he was positive about it he put it behind him and he moved on and i think just him right there is the epitome of what the entire mindset of the team was all year long you heard it from bedner a million times about keeping that mindset too i see a ton of people in the chat talking about free agents and uh what we're gonna get that we are gonna get episode yep Yep. um but i guess right now is a great time to talk about our friends over at DraftKings and sexy pizza (laughs) nailed it See, look at this. He's already he's here one day, and he's already way better at this than I am. Uh, yeah, so we are going to talk about our great friends over at DraftKings. This is the DNVR Avalanche podcast brought to you by DraftKings. And we are talking UFC today. This is one of the things I love about our partners at DraftKings. Our ad reads are always changing because they're running new promos, new specials every single week. Uh, we've actually only got this one for another day, and then they've got something new rolling out for the 4th of July. But we are talking UFC uh, there's a tons of way to come out, tons of ways to come out on top in the octagon. And for UFC 276, there's one more with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. New customers can bet $5 on any fighter to win and get $100 in free bets, win or lose. So that's $5 on any fighter and you get $100 in free bets, win or lose. Um, pick, pick a pick a fighter. Um no matter what, you win. Uh, with DraftKings, same game parlays, you can turn another small bet into a big payday, combine multiple bets like which fighter will win, number of knockouts, and more. For UFC 276, you can place a same game parlay. If it hits, you will win double. Uh, head on over to DraftKings.com sportsbook or download the Draft, uh, DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNBR. Bet just $5 on any UFC fighter to win. Get $100 in free bets no matter what. That is code DNVR Saturday. That's tonight uh, at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. 
we are also brought to you guys. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Thank you, y'all here. Uh, download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNBR. Uh, all new users can sign up, get a bonus one or bonus up to $1,000. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And of course, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Also want to remind you guys about our great friends over at Sexy Pizza. With 13 years in the Denver community, Sexy Pizza is as local as it gets. We were having them all year long, or all playoffs long, excuse me, uh, at our watch parties. They were the hit of the watch party every single night. Hand-tossed pizza uh, made from scratch. Seriously, I talk to you guys about this all the time. When I lived downtown, walking over to the Sexy Pizza window was a staple for us. Uh, it's right there over near the ballpark, but they have several locations now four Denver locations. Uh, now that the new one in Trinidad just opened, uh, Cap Hill, Old South Pearl and Jefferson Park, uh, head on over to, uh, sexypizza.com, sexy pizza or sexypizza.com support your organization or event www.sexypizza.com or www.sexy.pizza uh, and check out their about page for donation links. See how sexy pizza can support your cause 12, 16 or 18 inch crust. Seriously, just head on over to sexy pizza. I can read through this ad. They have a bunch of bullet points in there, but the bottom line is it's amazing. It's delicious. It's right there downtown near the ballpark. Uh, so head on over to sexy pizza and see our good friends over there. Big fan of sexy pizza, big fan of DraftKings. Um, I don't know if you, hopped on any action during those playoffs, but right heading into the final two games, that's when I was like, all right, Kale McCarr's a lock, right? You and I were still <laughs> yeah, in Tampa yeah. Bay yeah. and I pull it up. And at that time it was a minus minus one fifty, yes, a dude. lock for the con Smythe. Of yep. course. Yep. And it was a minus minus one fifty, but unfortunately we were in Florida <laughs> and I couldn't <laughs> oh, make a bet. Oh, damn, and I, I was sitting there saying, I'm going to put every dollar in my account on this. And it wasn't until we got back to Denver by then it was already a minus 300. I still put every dollar on my account. Yeah. Uh, on him winning the con Smythe, but um, yeah, that was a fun one. I mean, I love DraftKings. I well, love them, dude. I uh, I had one that I had put getting near the end of the season, and I had, I actually misread what it was. Uh, I thought it was for the Abs to win the Western Conference in the regular season, and it was like plus one fifty odds. I was like, that's an easy fifth. Like I'll put fifty bucks on that, no problem. Well, it was actually for them to be the team to come out of the West to go to the cup final. So I'd completely forgotten about it. So I logged into my DraftKings uh, right after Whoa. the final was started. I was like, okay, all right. Uh, yeah, here, do you want to pull that super chat up just so that we uh, can get to it right away? Uh, $5 from Miss Tru Miss Truly. Uh, love the stories. Your Tampa fairy tale sounds awesome. Yes, it seems like the Avs learned the champion mindset, mindset this year. Blues loss was the turning point. Uh, thank you, Miss Truly. You are always absolutely awesome. But no, turning point was the word that uh, Kale McCarr used. That was the turning point in our playoffs. He said that, that they weren't going to be denied after that. Yeah, as far as the fairy tale goes, I mean, we we only told you the half of it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. As as far as the Blues, it was it was crazy to me by the time the Tampa series rolled up and the Avs were already up to nothing that you look back and you're like, is St. Louis really going to be the toughest series? of this whole run right, right. and it was but i guess it's not surprising because the way the format is it feels like that second round is a heavier round which is why the avalanche right. have had such a hard time getting out of it because what today's second round is is probably more of a third round back in the day with the old yeah um, format That's a great right? point so st louis they were just a good team uh I, I mean there was never any 
fear in my body that the Avs were going to have a tough time considering what they did to them last year Mm -hmm. in the sweep. But, uh, I mean, that one was just a fun series. That's the most memorable part. That's what I wanted to get into here for this portion of the show were memorable moments from the run. And I think the number one memorable moment moment for me, and sorry to start with number one and work our way down, (laughs) was in that St. Louis series when Nazem Kadri comes back that first game, scores the goal, and goes to the crowd and gives them a little, what was that? Let me hear you now. Um, I think that for sure was my favorite moment of the of the playoffs. But yeah, it was all from that blues series. The yeah. intensity, the storylines, the water bottle incident, and I mean that that series was just so much fun. Well, well, dude. So so you know the the hand to the ear thing. It was so funny because when he scored, I remember the first thought that came to my mind was like, "Damn, that must feel good." And then he does the hand to the ear, and they got a close up on him in the arena. They showed you know kind of a close up of him celebrating. And just the look in his eye, I was like, oh, this dude's not done. Like, like th- that one gave him some energy. And I was like, he's he's not done tonight. That was um it's funny, man. You you bring up a good point. Like when the when the I'm assuming they still do the video, like the championship video and all that stuff. Like I wore out my 2001 VHS, VHS. copy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm I'm assuming that they'll do that again, but like you well, do how I don't have a a D- I don't even have a DVD. <laughs> Can I download it? Yeah. Can I get that off uh, Apple TV? 100%. Um, but you know, man, like you sit there and it's like, what is going to be the moment? Th- there were so many, uh, you know, throughout these playoffs where you say, wow, what a huge moment. The the, the Frankie shutout, uh, you know, against Edmonton. All the talk was how are the abs going to be able to contain the, uh, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl. Do they have the goaltending? Do they have the defense? And then Darcy Kemper goes down and Pavel Francouz comes in and pitches a shutout uh, in, in his first game, in, in his first start of, of the conference final. You have the Nazem Kadri, uh, you know, going off in game four and then coming back home and having the incredible support, um, you know, for the, the whole stand with Nas uh, that was that was coordinated by, by Adrian at Guffey Chan, who also did the, too many men shirts for the parade, um, which were a hit, by the way, dude. Way huge. to go on that! Seriously, blew it out. Um, and I, I, I last I saw, they were up over forty thousand uh, in donations to the Cadre Foundation. Ooh, yeah, what an idea! So seriously, so so good on good on Abs fans. And also, do give a shout out. There was a a Bolts uh, Lightning fan page that pumped it out. They were like, "Hey, look, it's all it's all you know competition, all that stuff, but this is a great cause." I love their idea too of donating six dollars <laughs> yeah. for every person that was on the ice. I thought that was great. I thought that was great. You would have had to donate seven for the Tampa Bay Lightning. The ta- yeah, I was say so. So yeah, they should have actually done thirteen dollars, one for every player that was on right, the ice. Right. But uh, you know, dude. So th- there were so many. I- I'm with you. The 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 Kadri. I-, I also loved that that game when he scored the third one. He he took you know my motioned like he took a hat off and threw it. Um, just that whole game was incredible. Um, the Josh Manson save. Um, mm, yeah, yep. I, I'm not really like labeling these. I guess I'm not like numbering these here, but just kind of like rattling off. Um, I mean, like honestly, man, there were so many moments that were incredible. Yeah, and I think Nazem Kadri was the root of a lot of them. Yeah. Right. I mean, he had an amazing year. I mean, I don't know if I'm the only one, but after the great regular season that he had coming into the playoffs, I was thinking. There's no way he's going to have mm-hmm. as big of a playoffs yeah. as he had regular season, and he did. He had yeah. perhaps even bigger. I mean, maybe not that many. He only had 15 points, right, after 87 in the regular season. Um, but the the clutch 
moments. Right. And even with the broken hand, that little muffin goal that he got past <laughs> Vasilevsky in overtime, I mean, it was historic. It was storybook. I mean, Seriously. right? It, it was straight out of out of a movie. And um, yeah, everything that he brought to the table was awesome. And we'll probably get to a next segment, but you know, it's going to break my heart when we don't see him in Avalanche <laughs> next year. So um, I'm going to, is it right? If it's I'm going to take a little detour to, to Vasilevsky. How do you say, I say Vasilevsky. I was always told it was Vasilevsky. Who told you that? AJ? No, we I were feel like that's a very AJ that. thing. We were both told that by, who was it? I think it was some dude in Arizona. I mean, my take know? on it is, as Americans, we rarely say any of these people's names yeah, right yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. so just say what you want. I mean, yeah. it's like my my last name. Nobody can say my last name. <laughs> how, so just, how is it? Uh, you really want to get into this? Well, my family from Spain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? J-E-R-E-Z is pronounced Jerez. Really? Jerez. All right. right? Well, now I feel I, – I even introduced – I feel like a no, dick. Nobody, I, I that's like... what I'm saying. Nobody can say it, so it's just like <laughs> say whatever you want. Just say it. Um, so, yeah, Vasilevsky is how I say it, but so, who cares? Have you watched any of the quests for the cup? I just started. I just dug into them uh, yesterday. Watched the first two. Okay. Well, I'm going to give you, obviously it's not like too much of a spoiler, but I'm going to tell you something that he said going through the line. Cause they've got a bunch of these guys mic'd up and, and I always do find it interesting, especially for a cup final. What are these guys saying to each other going through, going through the line? Cause mm-hmm. especially once you've gotten to that point, I, I remember so clearly um, in 2001, the Devils were the defending champs, lost to the Abs. Um, and I think it was Scott Stevens uh, going through the line, or maybe it was Jason Arnott, and telling Ray Bork, hey, man, you deserve it. Enjoy it. And it was one of those things that as heartbroken as they were, they understood the feeling and they understood what those guys were going through and, and you know, were able to tell them enjoy it. And so I really wanted to know what it was the Bolts players said because – they had just won it twice, right? And and they're going through, and 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 Vassy gets to gets to Bednar, and Bednar told him like, dude, unbelievable season, unbelievable series. And Vassy tells him, he said that team was too good for me. Congratulations, enjoy it. And he had a big smile on his face. And and I thought that was such an interesting thing to hear. What I I don't even think is just my opinion. I think it's pretty consensus. That's the best goalie on earth right now. Um, if his career continues this way, has potential to be the best goalie of all time. Um, and for him to say like, look, man, you know, kind of acknowledge, like I've dragged this team to a lot of wins. I I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it against this team. He, he was a peculiar part about the whole series, right? Because you were expecting them to have one of those Vasilevsky nights. Um, and he never really had one. He had, some leaky goals, which were uncharacteristic of him. And I, not that he played poorly by any means, but I don't think he played to the Vesna slash Con Smythe winner that we've seen in the past. Is that <laughs> something that was he was dealing with? Or is that because of the firepower he was facing? I don't know. Um, but e- either way, the Avalanche were able to expose him. And that that's what made this offense so amazing, is that even a guy that we're all expecting to steal at least a game was never able to. Yeah. And uh, they always got one past him, if not more. Well, and, and what's funny is uh, <laughs> for all the, the, the hard time that people gave Darcy about soft goals and there were some, I'm not, I'm not going to say that there weren't. Um, but like Vasilevsky had, like he had some leaky ones. He had some beat in that. It's like, dude, come on. And that was why I thought his comment there to Bednar of this, they were too good for me. And obviously, you know, he, he said it with a smile on his face and stuff like that. But I thought it was an interesting comment because to me, it did kind of strike as like, I couldn't steal one. 
they, there was too much firepower, even for a goalie of his caliber. You know, the, a lot of the conversation going into the series was, oh, well, the Avs haven't had to play a goalie like this yet. Well, he hadn't had to play a team like the Avs at any point in these playoff runs. They had played some good teams. And look, I, I'm not, Vasilevsky still had, he still had a great series. Like his, his expected goals, his numbers, like all of that were still in a really good spot and it just wasn't enough. Well, looking back at the entire run, I wish I had these numbers in front of me. How many times did the Avs give up the first goal? Too many. Right? Yeah. Too many. And you'd think, wow, there's no way another Stanley Cup final winner went th- that, that many times giving up the first goal and still had that good of a winning percentage. And again, that's just another testament to how potent this offense was. Because even if they go down one nothing, even against Vasilevsky, in, which they did in that final game, um, you still had faith in the offense. You yeah. still had faith that they had the firepower to, to get it done and burn past. I mean, their play through the neutral zone this entire playoffs, I think, was what really set them apart. So many yeah. teams, all their opponents were trying to slow them down and never were able to. And it, it led to uh, some really good dangerous chances. And it led to chaos in, in the opponent's defensive zone. So, uh, yeah, I mean, everybody was awesome during this run. But the, the offense that we saw this entire year, not just the playoffs, has to be one of the greatest goal-scoring offenses in the history of the NHL. Yeah, seriously. And, and, and it was their, it was their speed with the puck without the puck, their speed, like you said, through the neutral zone, their speed on the four check. Uh, John Cooper said, I believe it was on the off day, the travel day between games two and three, where he said like, look, we scouted these guys and I'm paraphrasing here, obviously like we scouted these guys in, they're a little bit faster than what we thought. Like he's like, you know, you watch the tape, you're like, okay, cool. You'll have a beat or two, you know, one, two, three to look up, make that play. And he was essentially saying like, look, we're grabbing this puck looking up and you're getting like one Mississippi. And that is all you are getting to make a decision on what to do with this puck. And the speed really, it was part of the reason why, like you were saying earlier, you were looking at this, like, well, is this going to be done in four? Are they going to sweep the, the bolts? Cause they just, they looked completely overwhelmed by the speed um, up until game three, where they really looked like they got somewhat of a handle on it. Um, I just went back and looked the Nashville uh, game four in Nashville. The app scored first, but did trail in the third period. They gave up the first goal in the elimination game against St. Louis. They gave up the first goal in the elimination game against Edmonton. And they gave up the first goal in the cup clinching game against Tampa. Wasn't it the St. Louis series where they gave up the first goal in every game? I think it was every game except for game five, which they lost. <laughs> yes, you are correct. Um, and, and so, dude, it's just, again, this goes all the way back to what we talked about earlier and just the mindset of never feeling like they were out of it, never feeling like, you know, <laughs> a lot of the national media really harped on the five-minute segment things from Bednar. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, really, I mean, it, it seems like that is part of what helped them. Hey, cool. We lost the first five minutes. Fuck. We'll win the next five. Cool. We won those five minutes. Now we'll go win the next five. And suddenly you get to the end of the game. You're like, well, we lost the first five minutes and then we won every five minute segment after that. And we won the game. So we're good. Yeah. I'm always interested in the conversations that happen between periods, right? Because I think that that's really where teams are are made or broken and, 
after every first period when they're going down into those dressing rooms, I, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall and see what they're saying to keep each other up, to keep that confidence high. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be this guy. They, oh, I asked this guy a question and this is what he said. But in the final, yes. I asked Gabe Landeskog. Um, it was after game two when they went into overtime. And I'm like, look, look, the even kill mindset has been your guys' weapon all year long. But how do you stay even kill in the Stanley Cup final overtime game in the dressing room, what's being said. And he's just saying that, that we were just confident. Yeah. We knew that we we had the ability to get it done. We trusted each other to go out there and take care of the job we were supposed to take. Cause that's such a bed nerve message, right? <laughs> go out there and do your job. Don't do anything else. And it seems like they'd never had any doubt. And uh, it's crazy because a lot of avalanche fans had a ton of doubt throughout the entire <laughs> playoffs. Right? I don't know how many times I saw, Oh, here comes another Vegas moment. Yep. Um, but no, they, they were just confident in, t- in each other and, um, you know, probably super positive and just pumping each other's tires in those dressing rooms, making sure everybody was heading back on the ice with the right mindset. Well, and, and <clears throat> that I think to me was what set this group apart from teams that we saw in the past was you're going to go through those moments. Another, another super chat here from Miss Truly. <laughs> The bolts looking like lost children in game two. One of the best moments. Uh, there was a moment there with, with, uh, with, with Vassy. I think it was like the third or fourth goal, man, where he, he looked up and again, like the camera zoomed in on him and like, he was just kind of looking around. Like, I don't know what to do. Like these shots are coming from everywhere. They're coming from areas. I'm not used to them being, and they're all going in. And like, they, it literally just looked, you know, McGahee has the, the line, you know, they're drinking, like they're, they're drinking from a fountain. That's something, something avalanche, like avalanche yeah, coming, coming down, down the, the mountain. mountain. It's a song, Jesse. Yeah, well, I know, I know, but I couldn't, I was trying to put it all together I in my head real quick. the sun sometimes. <laughs> uh, and, and like, seriously, that, that they looked like they were, they were drinking from a fire hose. Like, we're out here playing hockey, but we're like, we're just getting our heads kicked in. Like they just looked, they looked they look lost, like lost children. Seriously. Um, a hundred percent. I mean, you don't win seven, nothing in a Stanley cup final and, and, you know, not have the utmost confidence in yourselves. And yeah, that one was peculiar oh, because yeah, sorry. That was what I was saying. Just cause they bounced back. You're going to have bad moments. You're going to have games that don't go well. You're going to have periods that don't go well. And it was the abs ability to say, yep, that sucked. Turn the page. It's a new, new day, new period, new hour, whatever. That to me was the difference between this team and teams in the past. They didn't have that ability against Vegas to just say, brush it off. We'll get the next one. Yeah. I mean, win or lose, they had the same mindset and that that's what was fascinating. They didn't dwell on anything. Um, you know, that seven, nothing game. That was the one where Vasilevsky, everybody's like, is he not going to get pulled? Are you not? Right, him? right. And if you remember John Cooper after was like, even if I tried to pull him, he would have probably said no which I loved hearing that just, I guess, a side little tidbit. And then the next day he misses practice or morning skate. I forget which one he missed. Um, So everybody's starting to think, "Uh oh, is is Vasilevsky done? He comes back and rebounds. Again, the mindset of a champion. Just rebound no matter what happens the night prior, win or loss, you got another one to go. Mm -hmm. And until you're done, you're you're not done. Right, right. And yeah, it was one of those things I I did laugh because I saw some people, they're like, uh, and even a couple of the folks that we were out there in Tampa with media folks, like, what do you guys think? Do you think they're going to bench? It's like, and start you're gonna start Brian Elliott. <laughs> yeah. Like and not to mention, don't forget round one, the Avalanche beat uh was it Carter Hutton? No, yeah, uh who was the third stringer? Connor Ingram. Connor Ingram. Um, second series. I mean, I think Vile Husso is a pretty legit backup, but still having to beat the backup, right? And then 
uh, Mike Smith, who, you know, have your opinion about Mike Smith, but right. they never were really too challenged from the goaltending aspect. Yeah. So if Brian Elliott was going to be the fourth <laughs> goalie they beat, then that would have been hilarious. Then you may, yeah, maybe would have had a leg to stand on there and be like, all right, they didn't have to beat that tough of goaltenders. Um, I'm going to do these reads, but when yeah, we, when, after I that, I want to ask you about the goaltending situation. Then we can, we can move on to off season and, some, and start touching on some, some stuff for the summer. But I want to ask you about the Jordan Bennington stuff just from your unique netminder perspective. Uh, this is the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Got JJ Jerez in here pinch hitting today, uh, driving the bus for us. Uh, brought to you guys by DraftKings. Also brought to you guys by our great friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. This is the summer of Breckenridge Brewery, um, especially now with all of their seltzers. Uh, we've got them loaded up actually downstairs. Breck Brew has a beer for any occasion, and there is no better way to watch a game than having some Breck Brew. Breck Brew has been doing it for over 30 years, and it all comes down to their love and passion for making beers. Try out the Good Company Hard Seltzers and Lemonade Seltzers. I like the lemonade ones. Mm. Just get a little bit more uh, a little bit more zing in there. Um, obviously, you have the Avalanche Amber Ale, which I'm pretty sure is like 80% of what Rudo's blood is at this point <laughs> after this season. Uh, the Juice Drop IPA, Summer Pills Shandy, uh, one of my favorites is strawberry sky. Hannah loves it. Um, and like, seriously, that's just what we're going to be doing all summer. J- JJ just got to our house, got a new house here. We got a nice little outdoor patio area, which will be crushing Breck brews until training camp starts. Hannah's all mad at me. She's like, what do you do now until the hockey season starts? I'm like this. I spent so much time eating out and eating French fries that I'm ready for a diet and get yeah. back on an exercise <laughs> regimen. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. So the seltzers, right? Is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. I'm looking for the seltzers. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so go, uh, use the Breck Brew locator to find uh, your closest liquor store that carries all of your favorite Breck Brew. Also head down to the farmhouse. Uh, I know we have a couple of events maybe planned in partnership with Breck Brew this summer. Uh, I don't know all the fine details, so I'm not going to say too much, but keep an eye out for that. We are going to be doing some fun stuff uh, with Breckenridge Brewery as the DNVR bar gets its remodel. Cannot wait for DNVR 2.0. But in the meantime, we are going to be doing some good stuff uh, with our great friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. So stay tuned for all of that. Also brought to you guys uh, by my great friends over at Green Mountain Dental. If anyone from Green Mountain is listening, I apologize for having to cancel those two, uh, those two appointments. One of them, I wasn't expecting to have to go back to St. Louis. Uh, and then the other one, I took a red eye in the night before. So now that the Avs have won the cup and the season is done, I'm coming. I'm coming back to get that follow-up cleaning. Uh, and I have a cavity I need to get filled. Um, but you guys, seriously, even just me saying that, I've spent my entire life looking for any excuse to not go to the dentist. The fact that I am prepared to go back to the dentist should tell you guys how amazing the folks are over at Green Mountain Dental. Uh, seriously, they are awesome. We've had several DNVR listeners uh, switch over to Green Mountain and reach out to us and tell us uh, how great they've been. Uh, literally they will all talk. They're all huge Colorado sports fans. Uh, it's actually funny. I'm sitting there giving a cavity filled and they're all talking to me about the abs and asking questions and oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, Oh, hold on, hold on. All right. Rinse. All right. <laughs> now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, literally they, 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 um, they chat with you. They talk to you about sports and they get you in and out quickly. Uh, I went and got a cavity filled. Uh, they gave me the shot to numb it. Doctor comes in. I'm in and out of there. 15, 20 minutes. Numbing wore off within an hour. I was eating regular food that night. Um, they are awesome. I, I could not recommend them more. 
Uh, they're not close to me. I am willing to make the, the 25, 30 minute drive to go see them down at Green Mountain Dental uh, down in Lakewood. Schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. You'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. Uh, make sure you tweet at us when you go. Tag us when you're there. Show them how this community can support our biggest supporters. Uh, Green, down, Green Mountain Dental treats you like family. They send you birthday cards, all that good stuff. They have been a longtime DNVR partner. They show us the love. So go show them the love this summer. Go get your teeth cleaned. And again, if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam at Green Mountain Dental, they will give you a free Sonicare toothbrush just for heading down to Green Mountain Dental. What so, a gift. That's no joke. Like, like the older you get, it's like, oh, toothbrush. Eh. That's legit. I have a Sonicare <laughs> and it changed my life. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, go on, go on, go on down and see them the same way that I am going to here very, very shortly and get caught up on all my cleanings. JJ, what do you think? Should we, uh, you said there was goaltending. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Yes, yes, yes. I'm sorry. I'm an idiot. Um, see when you don't get your teeth clean, when you cancel teeth cleanings, you lose brain cells. (laughs) Um, blues fans are, are positive. 100% sure. That if Jordan Bennington plays that that series, they beat the Abs in there, and they're the ones on a on a week long Stanley Cup bender right now. Does Jordan Bennington move the needle for you that much? Could he have improved that much on what Ville Husa did, who I thought was good? I think it, the easy answer is no, right? If Vasilevsky is the one saying that this team is too much, then how is Jordan Bennington going to hold these guys off? Now, this might not be the popular take, but I actually like Jordan Bennington as a as a player. I love the fire he plays with. It's reminiscent to me of Bo Byram. That's why I love Bo Byram, because he's not just a player out there. He's got the attitude to go with it. That uh, Are we allowed to cuss? Yeah, that, I said fuck a minute ago. Yeah, that fuck you attitude. <laughs> I mean, that's what I love about both of those guys. I, again, I mean, Jordan Bennington, he's buttheads with the Avalanche, so Avalanche fans might hate the, the fact that I'm saying that. But I think as a goaltender, <laughs> he has – potential but what we've seen from him the last two years is that potential kind of go down the drain yeah. it almost like he that attitude gets to him so much that he thinks he's fantastic yeah. he thinks he's great there's nobody better than him he needs to have that get back to work mentality yeah. he can be a really good goaltender but yeah to answer your question there's no chance i even think at that point vile huso was probably the better goaltender anyway i agree they felt forced to play bennington uh they got to play huso so yeah i don't i don't think there's any chance that uh it could have been Vasilevsky and goal for the blues. And I still think it would have been uh, the yeah, same result. I, I agree. And, and I, I like what you said there because I'm trying to think of, this isn't really the exact equivalent, but I remember Sidney Crosby did an interview a couple of years ago. I think it was part of like the media tour before the season starts. Right. He did an interview with TSN or Sportsnet or something like that. And he said, you know, looking back on, the early years of my career and like they went well and you know, things were great and whatever you said, but I, I looking back on it now, I actually wish I would have focused on the refs less and the complaining and worrying about that stuff. I, w- I wish I would have taken that out of my game sooner. And, and he, again, I don't remember the exact quote, but he kind of alluded to like, man, imagine how much better it could have been had I just stayed focused. I agree with you on Bennington. The dudes he's no one will argue. He's got, he has the, the, tools. the ability, yeah. right? And I do think like, you know, you just, you see the, the, the instances last year and stuff like that, where he's going after like the entire San Jose Sharks roster and <laughs> swinging his stick and fake blocker punching guys. And it's just like, 
dude, if, if you weren't such a head case at times, how much further could you, could your game go? Um, and, and, and I, I'm with you. I, I almost wish he would take that out of his game so that you could just appreciate the player because he makes himself unlikable. Yeah, I agree. He pushes the envelope a little bit too much. Again, I like the attitude. Does he take it overboard often? Yes, 100%. If he could just turn that, tone that down a bit, I think you'd have a really... So, he, here's the comparable. Nazem Kadri. 100%. And and you see this year, Nazem Kadri, you got to give huge credit to him. Got his head screwed on straight this year. I would say the only person that didn't seem to have their head screwed on straight <laughs> was Gabe Landeskog, right? He was a completely <laughs> different player this year. He signs his offseason deal and he comes out like, I'm going to fight any and everybody. <laughs> but hey, it worked. I'm it, not complaining. Yeah, worked out. Well, and, and, and like, you know, you see Naz finally say, I'm not getting into this stuff. I'm not getting in the middle of it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to cooler heads will prevail. And he has his best year ever. And to your point, maybe even took it to another level in the playoffs. He, he visibly was trying to walk away from things. Yeah. Visibly trying to not get into any of the shit. And, and I don't think anyone can say that, that it didn't make a difference. Now you've earned that reputation. You have to fight, you have to fight through it to, to prove people wrong. But I thought Kadri did. And, you know, maybe we'll see Ben Bennington in, in, three, four years, figure that part of it out where, Oh, I can't worry about that stuff. But um, until then, I think he'll kind of continue to be what, what you said, like go through the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows. I think there's something with goaltending about having to prove yourself too. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. the first couple of years with St. Louis, he was still the new guy in town. He was still like, Hey, I, my future's uncertain. I need to earn this. And yeah. he played a, a really good style of goaltending. You saw it here with Colorado. Darcy Kemper was having, a pretty mediocre season until Pavel Francouz was healthy and back in the lineup. Yeah. Then suddenly you saw a different game out of Darcy Kemper. I don't think it was, you know, um, I, I, I guess negatively charged, right? He wasn't like, oh shit, right. here comes Pavel <laughs> Francouz to take my job. No, it's like, okay, this is a level that I need to beat if I want to keep this number one yeah. job. So let's keep pushing each other. I mean, you saw the friendship out of the two guys all year long. Mm -hmm. So there's something about that. I have something to prove mindset from a goaltender that is, is imperative. You, yeah. you have to have that because when you're comfortable and you're like, ah, oh, well, I'm going to be here for the next six years, whatever. I think it, it, it turns you in a different player. I agree. Yeah. Um, you want to do some, some summer talk? Yeah, sure. I got the list here pulled up. We could start with the forwards. If you want, um, you want to stick to UFAs or do RFAs as well. Um, yeah, I guess. Yes. We can, we can, we can dip our toe in on everybody. I'm sure, you know, we've got, I guess we don't really have that long until free agency. So I'm sure all this, these conversations will come up on our show, on your show, a bunch. Uh, yeah. But let's dip our toe into everybody a little bit. Yeah, maybe we could rapid fire through it, not not necessarily go in depth yeah. on each guy. But uh, I, I guess let's go. In. What I, Cat Friendly has us in alphabetical order. Is that the, the case here? Or I don't know. <laughs> Obey Kubel's first. Um, obviously, a waiver wire acquisition midseason. I don't think anybody anticipated anticipated him having as big of a role as yeah. he had, you know, usually when the abs bring in a, a waiver acquisition, he's in and out of the lineup. You saw Obey Kubel stick for a really long time. Of course, come playoff time, they had to make some decisions and he sat a little bit, but Obey Kubel, what an amazing acquisition I would say. Yeah. And I'd like to see him stick around. Me too. For a guy that costs you nothing, he costs you nothing. Uh, you know, just the money. Um, and yeah, for you to get him for nothing, I, I thought he I thought he was a good fit. He was another guy that I don't know if he fits. I mean, Philly, 
Philly, miserable year, said, take him off our hands for nothing. And he was a great fit here. I think if you're the abs and you say, hey, do you want to run it back at the exact same contract? Maybe we'll give you $10,000 more as a thank you. I don't know why if you're Abe Kubel, you turn that down. I think it's a great fit. I think he'd be a fun depth kind of fringe piece to, to have around. Yeah, maybe give him a little more just in case he gets charged for the dent in the Stanley Cup. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I mean, he's a great depth piece. He got better when he got here, right? Typical Jared Bednar fashion. He made him work harder. He made him improve the small details of his game. Oh, and yeah, um, yeah it, it, again, just that something to prove mentality is huge for hockey players because once you get complacent, um, you know, you're, you're going nowhere. I mean, look, he had a million dollar cap hit essentially if you want to run abe kubel back at a million dollars for a year two years i don't think there's anybody that's gonna scoff at that because especially now not that it's not that it's the end all be all like we were saying earlier now he's been on the run he's seen it he's seen it up close he, he gets it exactly he could have a, a bigger role moving forward it, yep. it's tough because Obviously, you win a championship, and my mindset is like, bring them all back. <laughs> Let's run it. But it's easier said than done, which brings us to Arturi Lekkanen, right? I think Lekkanen raised some eyebrows during the playoffs around the league. I think he'd already been seen, but the, what he was able to contribute to the Avalanche and the goals that we alluded to earlier in the show, I mean, again, I'd love to keep him. Is it possible? Yeah, but I, I think it's it almost has to be one of Joe's priorities because of the minor contributions. You just got to be careful not to overpay for a guy. Yeah. That's what made him so valuable was the price you were getting right. that combined with the way he was contributing. Yeah. Now he is RFA. So they do have a little bit of control. Um, I haven't seen it. I don't put a ton of stock into this because, and again, this isn't necessarily like a bad thing or a shot, but like as we lead up to, it's usually July 1st, whatever it is now, July 13th. 13th this year. A lot of the national Canadian media will float a lot of offer sheet stuff. Look, they have two weeks of time to fill here on a 24-hour news cycle. Those conversations have to come up. Frank Saravelli said that there are a lot of teams that are looking at this guy as a potential offer sheet. I don't really buy it yet. Um, offer sheets are still pretty rare, even with what we saw from Kotkin Yemi. Um, but... Keep an eye on it. I think this guy clicks really well with this group. I think he makes a lot of sense here. Um, I'm with you, though. You can't... You got to look at the model that Tampa has laid out. They've gotten guys to stay for a little bit less because they like the fit and they want to win. Lekkanen, to me, is one of those guys. Hey, you like the fit and you want to win? Cool. We need you to take not a big haircut, but you need to, you need to meet us halfway a little bit here so that we can keep this group together. And the versatility, right? I mean, the guy stepped in and played third line, played second line, played first line, played wherever you needed him to and shine in that role. So, yeah, um, you know, you got to be careful not to, I guess, undershoot it, right? Make sure you <laughs> right. Don't, don't insult him. Don't yeah. lowball him here because he he brought a lot of value. I mean, that, that's hard to find a guy that can fit in with Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, and then everybody else one through nine. Yeah, um, and he seemed him and him and Nate seem to get along well. Oh, and him and Miko Rantanen. Oh, look, I've been meaning to talk about this. Also, <laughs> Arturi Lekkinen wins the award for greasiest party animal at the parade, drinking out of his shoe. Dude. <laughs> he drank out of his shoe. 
He pulled his van off of his foot, <laughs> poured a beer in it and drank it, and probably put that van right back on his foot. Uh, I actually, I did see someone tweet that he was, that he did have the shoe back on. Ridiculous. Dude. Animal. And just obviously him and Miko ran <laughs> and got, got to, uh, you know, they were together like lamb and tuna fish. So, uh, <laughs> like lamb and tuna fish. But you prefer spaghetti and meatball? <laughs> um, moving on. Andre Burakovsky. I think we can all agree here. Andre Burakovsky's gone. Do you want to know where I think he goes? Yeah, I'd love to. Edmonton. Does that not seem like just the picture per like not picture perfect? It, it, it's a it's a it's just that's such an Edmonton move. He played with McDavid and Junior. He was on McDavid's line. And I could totally see him like, oh well, and I mean, unbelievable shot. So you're just gonna sit there, he'll score 30 next to next to McDavid. And he'll just be McDavid's trigger man. As long as he can stay consistently with McDavid, right? I mean, that's what we've seen right. throughout his tenure. You give him a shot with Nathan McKinnon, he has a great game, and then he disappears for two or three. Yep. And then you have to slide him back down the lineup. And I think there's something to be said for when Washington wins the Stanley Cup and doesn't re-sign him. Mm-hmm. And then the Avalanche win the Stanley Cup, don't re-sign him. Yeah. Um, I think it's clear the type of player he is. He he helps you get there, but he wasn't a key piece to why you were there. Right. And, I mean, we saw him, we saw the team win without him. There's no bigger insult if you're Andre Burakovsky than, ah, it's got to be so bittersweet. Like, yeah. yes, we won the cup, but they did it without me. They yeah. proved how I'm not that valuable. Well, and, and like, you, you you give him a little bit of a break because he had the broken hand, broken ankle. So that's, you know, he would have been in otherwise, but you are 100% right. He couldn't get in, and they still found a way. And and they missed Nazem Kadri. They missed him in the games that they didn't have him. Yep. I want to, I want to make sure. Cause like, I think Burkowski is a good player. I think he has a top five shot, pure release, put everyone on the league, oh, on, yeah. just on the ice. And re- I think of nail Yakupov. Yes. Yes. Yakupov's oh, laser, dude. And then he couldn't do anything in the game. <laughs> nail Yakupov's the ultimate all tools, no toolbox. Um, but that, that to me is Burkowski. Like He's got that shot, but it just didn't feel like they missed him. In games, what was it, five and six? Yeah. Essentially all of game four, five and six. It just didn't feel like, ah, that's where you need Burakovsky. It just never felt like you got there. Yeah. I mean, all because of what we broke down, right? I mean, there's definitely better defensive players. So from a defensive standpoint, you weren't missing him at all. And then you had the guys to fill the roles offensively. So I think from an offensive standpoint, they got it done without him. I mean, again, it's not like his production was so great where he was going to give you a point per game. Right, right, right. Um, so, yeah, he's easily not missed. Yeah, and and to be honest, I think Newhook is already kind of yes the new Burakovsky. Newhook has it. I've been saying yeah. it all year. There's a You either have it or you don't. Yeah. <laughs> and that it is the ability to score, yeah. the ability to put the puck behind the net. Behind the goalies um, <laughs> in the net, whatever. Right. And he just, he knows how to do it and he knows how to do it in, in big moments. And he knows how to do it from dangerous areas. He's good at finding those quiet areas. I would have liked to seen him have a better showing in the playoffs, but Hey, it was his first yeah. go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I love Alex Newhook, And I think that guy's future is very bright. Yeah. But I think that's, I think that's your easy plug and play. Yep. You replace Burakovsky with him. Right. So that brings us to Andrew Cogliano. I kind of touched on it earlier in the show, so yeah. probably don't have to get too crazy. This here. is another one for me like Abe Kubel. Hey, if you're willing to essentially run it back at I don't even know what Cogliano is. I think it's a I think it's a mill right around there. 
if you're willing to run it back, we'd love to have you in the depth. If, if he's looking for a big raise to me, that's one of those ones where it's not that Andrew Cogliano wasn't great. I think everything we said about him is true, but like you can cool. Just go reacquire him at the deadline. You know what I mean? Like if, if he wants to, to, or, or, you know, a significant raise over what he's currently on. Plus you got to assume there's somebody in the Eagles waiting to do that same role, right. probably for cheaper. Right. I mean, you already got a guy like Logan O'Connor. You've got some pretty solid guys that play that same role, just waiting for them to kind of come into their own. And Cagliano's kind of the stop gap between. Um, yeah. Does he fit in with the team next year? Sure. Yeah. Is he a necessity? I mean, if you got to cut somebody, you got to save a mill here or there. I think he's a good so, option. So, so he's $1 million. To me, I would sit there and say, um, yeah, if, if he if he's not retiring, if he wants to come back for another year, yep. then I I would just sit there and I'll, I'd say, cool. You want a mill? You want a million dollars for a year? Come back and, and be fourth line winger again on a team that you just want to cup with. I don't know if you give everything he gave. I mean, if you saw those post Stanley Cup pictures, and one of his fingers was still bloody from yeah. the surgery, like Dude. you could still see the blood and the bruises. I don't know. It kind of seems like that was a. This is my last hurrah mm -hmm. yeah. effort. Yeah. I could be wrong. No, I no. could just be the player he is. How old is he? I think he's, uh, what, 35? Um, but, yeah, shout out to his wife, who was hands down the 35. nicest wife to me. 35? Yeah, nailed, nailed it. it. Um, nicest wife out of all the wives, at least to me, Ali Cagliano. Yeah. Good lady. Uh, we actually, there was, I don't remember where we were, but – yeah, there was this really nice lady. You had like a nice little chat with us. Like, oh, who's that? You're like, oh, that was Cogliano's wife. I was like, oh, damn. Would have never, never guessed that given how pleasant she was. Yeah, very friendly. Very friendly. The the fourth line there, and that's is, is Darren Helm on this list? He's next. So that's what I was going to say. For me, man, given the way that they played in the playoffs, you've already got LOC locked up. I think you just go back to Cogliano and Helm and like, hey, if you guys want to run that fourth line back, we'll give you what you had. If not, we're fine piecing it together through free agency and trades and Eagles and stuff like that. But I think you give those guys the option to just run it back. Cause that fourth line was unbelievable for you in the postseason. Yeah. And you saw Gabe Landeskog last night running around with a Darren Helm t-shirt, right? Which is hilarious, but that kind of yep. shows you right there what they thought of him. Um, you go back to Jared Bednar's comments early in the playoffs. And he said of all the players, Darren Helm seems to be, raising his game to another level more than anybody else. Yeah. So I think you need to take that with a grain of salt, right? Because what do you get in regular season Darren Helm versus For what sure. do you get in playoff season da Darren Helm? Um, you got to probably strike a balance in in price, right? Because Darren Helm's going to say, look what I did for you in the playoffs. They're going to say, look what you did in the regular season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I could see him coming back because he was a big piece. Crushed the penalty kill. I mean, Huge, that yeah. was his penalty kill all year long. And uh, yeah, it's a matter of if he wants to go, I think. Yeah, no, I Which agree. I think he does. His, his family, from talking to them, they love it in Denver. Uh, I met the wife um, at the elevator one day. Darren Arena. Helm. Yeah. Yeah. And she was saying, oh, we don't want to go back to Detroit. We don't want to go back to Detroit. <laughs> I'm shocked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I could see him sticking around for sure. Yeah. Uh, next guy we got is Big Nas. Nazem Kadri. Of course, we've heard the reports that he wants to stay, yeah. but he also wants to get paid. I mean, you hear that and it sounds like it's going to be tough because there will be higher offers. There's going to be. And when you talk about the difference between what the Avalanche can maybe offer him six, five, you think, and you're hearing rumors <laughs> of maybe the Rangers or, you know, yep. Philly, I don't think he wants to go play with torts, but right. throw an eight at him. 
Right. To us, it's like, well, eight, six, five. Come on, that's not that big. <laughs> we're talking million dollars, right, right. one and a half million dollars. I mean, over that's a huge. Over how many years? And term is what's going to be monstrous, right? I don't know if the Avalanche want to give him that much term. So, so here's what I've been told from from the different uh, folks that I've talked to. Um, I've gotten kind of a couple different iterations of this. <clears throat> Nas wants to stay. They, 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 if, if you know, all things are equal, this is where they would pick. Right. They want to be here. He loves the fan base. Um, I, I think, you know, he's talked about it a lot. And again, no one has actually told me this outright, but I get the sense that him and his family feel a little bit like the Toronto fan base turned on him there at the end. After that, the last suspension, it kind of turned and became this, well, you can't win with this guy. You can't rely on this guy. The front office too, right? I mean, they tried to trade him once. He vetoes it and they're like, all right, well, we'll trade you again. Yeah, 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 right. And and I just, I, I think he never felt that here. Even after the suspension last year, he always felt embraced and loved by the fan base. And then all the stuff happens this year with St. Louis. And it's, you know, 10 times the support um, you know, kicked up everyone at, at warmups wearing, you know, wearing Naz stuff, holding the Nazim Kadri signs, um, all that stuff. I think he'd like to stay. What I was, what I was originally told was that where someone said they saw the wiggle room was if the abs went term, Hey, we'll get you the term that people aren't going to give you. We're, we're not going to be able to give you as much AAV, but we'll give you the term and that that was maybe like the back road for it. But now, like you said, we see the reports coming out today. And again, these are just unconfirmed reports. We don't know this for sure. There's rumors, rumors, rumors. Right. But if the New York Rangers are offering you $8 million over seven years, the Avs can't really get into that ballpark. And the term, seven, I don't know how much you want to go in eighth year, but that's where the Avs leg up would have been. If someone else is willing to give that term, and it's a, it's a, it's a team like the Rangers. It's a city like New York. It's close to Ontario where he's from. That's going to be tough to compete with, especially now that he's got a ring to me. Like I sit there, the term doesn't, the term doesn't scare me as much because again, you like, you look at Tampa and there's part of me that says like, give him the term and deal with it in five years, give him the term, win another cup and deal with it in five years. And nobody really cares but again, if, if someone else is willing to get into that term battle with you, you're going to be in a hard spot, and he's got a ring now. That's the thing, is he he accomplished what he wanted to do his whole life, right? right. I'm sure out of an NHLer, in his mind, he's like, yeah, I want to make it back. That'd be great. But I got one, right. so that no longer needs to be my priority. My right. priority now is getting paid and i see everybody in the chats agreeing uh, they, they want him to go chase that money so yeah um yeah it, it'd be hard if you're nazim Kadri to pass up an extra 1.5 to 1 million a year um especially if it's over seven eight years um yeah as much as i'd like to see him stay i i don't see it realistically being the case but that also frees up a little bit of money to go chase somebody else and there's some good options out there and, so and i think i think it'll be a good breakup you know if he does decide to go if he gets the big you know, bag of money somewhere else. I think it'll be one of those huge applause when he comes back for the first time. Um, probably a little bit emotional for him. You know, I don't think it'll be this like, you know, the way that Paul Stasny was like, I'm staying, I'm staying. Oh, oh, I didn't think someone would give me that much money. Like, <laughs> bye. Uh, you know, I think everyone understands. Yeah. Yeah. And 
I forgot my last point about him. Sorry. It was something good. It's all right. I'm sure it was. Whatever. It'll come back to you halfway through a sentence and please or just, on my drive just home. cut me off. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, next guy, Val Nachushkin. I think this is a guy we all anticipate staying because it was here that he really blossomed, right? And yeah. it was under Jared Bednar that really allowed him to, to grow his career. Everybody's saying he's going to be hammering for the money. I don't know if he necessarily is because yeah. you don't want to mess up. Oh, I remember what I was going to say about Nassim. Yes, You don't want to mess up a good thing with Val. And I'm also curious. I've never broken my foot. Especially not yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. How quickly is he going to be ready? And who right. is he going to be once he's back? Because now he, he's got the cup under his belt. He's going to be re- coming back from a pretty significant injury. I mean, that was a, a bad Dude, break. It was brutal. Um, who knows what kind of Val Nachushkin you're going to be. Plus, he's going to get a fresh new deal, right? So he resets everything and, and might just have a completely different mindset. So and you got to be careful overpaying mm-hmm. a guy like Val. I think there will be some strong offers around the league, but at the end of the day, I don't. I don't think he's willing to leave Denver. I mean, I'm sure there's a number that he's like, okay, <laughs> right, right, yeah, two million more over here. I'm out. But, um, yeah, I'd be silly not to. So here, here's another thing I was told, and we talked about it actually. Uh, we touched on it ever so briefly yesterday on the show. Um, here's what I was told, and then Elliot Friedman repeated this on Thirty Two Thoughts Monday. Um, I, my understanding is that. They have met and they're in the ballpark. They're not close. You know, they're not, but that both teams like, okay, they, they, there's confidence that they can make something work. And the big driving factor behind it is Val Nachushkin, maybe more than anyone else in the league has a perspective on what it's to like to be in an organization where it doesn't work, where the fit just isn't there, right. whether it be with the coach, the team, the role you're in, um, the, the, the fit, the organization sees you, you know, filling, he's been in a situation where it hasn't been a good fit and he's in such a picture perfect fit that I, it sounds like he and his agent are motivated to get something done here because the fit is just too good. He just, he fits into the system under these coaches. He could easily go to another team and not fit. And right. suddenly he's back to a third, fourth liner scoring zero goals a season right 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 um so yeah I, i'm 100 percent with that my, my, what i was gonna say about cadre is the rumor floating around tampa bay when we were down there with all the national pundits is that uh detroit is gonna be the front runner for oh really Kadri, which okay i think is interesting yeah could fit there but who knows it's just throwing shit at the wall at um point. him and or excuse me them and anaheim are the ones to me that i, I keep coming back to and it's just because Anaheim had a, a surprisingly good season. They missed the playoffs, but they kind of took a bigger step than I think people thought. With Getzloff retiring, there's a hole there at center. And I think they're sitting there like, man, we can strap this guy next to Zegras or, or Troy Terry or something like that. Um, and, and and I could see them making that swing uh, for, for, for a guy like Kadri. And hey, come right into the sunset in Southern California mm. and, you know, I'd sign up. Play with all these ultra-skilled guys, whatever, whatever. Only place I'd rather go is maybe Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. Tampa's pretty nice, too. Well, dude, I just – there's some of these guys, and and I know we're pushing hour 20 here, so appreciate you guys sticking with us and watching and listening on on a longer one. That flew by. Flew by. Um, But, you know, like, we were joking about it. Some of the cities that we went to for the playoffs. Bro, if I'm a free agent – and I get an offer from Edmonton. 
And then I get a very similar offer from Tampa. I cannot figure out a universe where I'm not picking Tampa. It, it reminds me of the MLS, right? The MLS is sitting here trying to recruit retired European all-stars. Yeah. But if you're a European and you think of the United States, Denver doesn't come into your mind. Right, St. Right, Louis right, doesn't right. come into your mind. What comes to your mind? New York City, Miami, LA. LA. And so those are the teams that are getting all the and it's the same. If you're it seems like nowadays too, free agents in the NHL have a lot more say in where they're going. And yeah, if it's if it's Florida versus anywhere else, I think most people take Florida and because it's no secret the tax thing too, right? Yep. And and you know, you think about Artemi Panarin, that was his kind of thing. He's like, no, I'm going to a big market. Like I was in Chicago, it was great. Columbus is fine, but I'm going to New York. And, and we all actually thought he was going to end up with the, with the Panthers there for a minute, you know, in Miami and all that shit. And it's a real thing. Yeah. I mean, look what Artemi Panarin turned down. Remember Nathan McKinnon was telling him, you can have my spot on the power play, please. Yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, nah, nah, I'm going to New York. So yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Just the way it is. Um, let's get to our last forward of the free agent group, Nico Sturm. Ah, uh, Yeah. Again, as much as you want to bring all the boys back, he's definitely an expendable guy. Mm -hmm. uh, we talked about his depth. We talked about him being in and out of the lineup and not much contribution. He, again, strikes me as another guy that can be replaced with the Colorado Eagle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you like what he did. I thought he brought something that was a little bit different than what Joe did, but not to take anything away from those two guys, but like you can find all kinds of guys that do that. Yeah. See you later. Yeah. Yeah. German um, speaker too. How crazy was that? <laughs> I had no idea when we were suddenly he starts with. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get into the defensive group. Jack Johnson. Uh, we kind of touched on that. He's yeah, I probably think he's retiring. Probably retiring. One last hurrah. What a miracle too, right? Seriously. He had a Hail Mary coming in on a PTO. Nobody had any idea if he was even going to make the team. Some people said he wouldn't. I might be one of those people. Yeah. Um, but no, he stuck around, scores that amazing goal in game one. And <laughs> that's the last goal of his career, probably. Like to, <laughs> to walk off in the sunset the way he did. Um, and just the history that he had to go through during his career. I mean, that's just the perfect ending for what was otherwise a bumpy career. Yeah, no, it was it was great. And, and, you, and you feel for him, the person. I wish people actually would have gotten um to see a little bit more of jack johnson this year great speaker always had plenty to say um a, a low-key locker room guy right yeah was probably very vocal in there and, and had a big role but um uh, you know there's only one jj of the year so get all the other man. jj's yeah. out yeah. jj's out of here you can't have it sorry from johansson to johnson <laughs> um josh manson i think this one as as much as it yeah. pains me to say, I, I don't think he's sticking around. We both gave the sharp exhale at the same time. So yeah. I should tell everyone like how we feel. Like, God, I'd love for this guy to stay, but yeah, he 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 did well on the ice. I wouldn't say he was amazing or spectacular. Definitely replaceable. But I think what we loved most about him was his personality, right? Yeah, I dude, mean, he was. It, it's hard fantastic. to say goodbye to a guy like that. Um, who's so fun to talk to, obviously enjoying his time with the Avs, enjoying life, just playing in the NHL and just has a good head on his shoulders. So um, I think we kind of let that cloud the decision yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so for that reason, I think, he, again, he, he might be replaceable and can easily find big guys. Well, well and here's a tough part about it. <clears throat> when you're talking about potentially paying Josh Manson, he he's going to start the season next year as a third pairing guy. Um, it's going to be 
McCarr, Taves, Bo, Gerard, and then you're looking, you know, does EJ retire? We don't know. Um, you know, does does Josh Manson come back? Because if, if they if both if both those things happen, that's your third pair. One, does Josh Manson want to be on a third pair? Two, do you want to pay UFA money to a guy like Josh Manson to be on your third pair? And yeah, he can flex up the lineup. That's part of the appeal, but and that, not to get off track, but that's where I'm kind of worried about Bowen Byram's tenure here in Colorado. I don't know if he wants to spend his entire career on the second power play playing second fiddle to Kale McCarr when there are teams out there that'll put him as the first defenseman and be on the PP one. Yeah. Um, so that's just something to look out for down the line here. I, I could definitely see it. I could definitely see it. Um, I think a lot of it depends on, to be honest, dude, a lot of the conversations that I've heard, not necessarily recently or, or you know, even this year, but that the abs ultimate goal, everything going perfectly is Bo and Kale. Bo and Kale is the top pair of the future. We saw them run the two defensemen on the power play a little bit this year. On so maybe too, especially. Yeah. Right. So, you know, do they maybe modify that? You know, hey, we want Bo, Bo more involved because we know that this kid could go, you know, be the star on another team. So how can we make it so that we get the best of both worlds here? I think it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Um Ah, then you're just you're taking either a spot from McKinnon on the wing, right, or Rantanen because that's where they keep. Isn't this a dope defensive. problem to have? <laughs> yeah, yeah. As until you don't have it anymore. Right. Yeah, you're 100 right. Yeah. And you know, sitting there watching the parade, and I was watching it on TV. I didn't go and seeing the guys be like, "Oh, how about Kale McCarr? He's amazing. Gabe Landeskog's the greatest. Nathan McKinnon and Bowen Byram just sitting there in the screw in the shot." Twirling like, his hair. Is anybody going to say my name? I had an impact here. <laughs> and then he the was... cop, the mother effing cop that didn't recognize him on the team, he might have just blown it for all and of like, us. Like hassled him too. Yeah. Like, and very politely as a cop would, right? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't see Bowen Byram playing his whole career here. And that, that sucks to say. Right, right. Um, last defenseman we haven't touched on is Ryan Murray. Um, we didn't yeah. get to see him much this year, yeah. uh, but unrestricted. Could get him on the cheap. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure the the tape is out there on him that people are gonna highly be coveting him. Yeah. So th- this is another guy where, to be honest, if if they came out tomorrow, like, because what is he on? He's on like a 925 deal or something like that. I, I don't even. I I'll look it up. It's it's very little. Um, While you're looking it up, shout out to Ben Swain for the funny joke on the Jack Johnson banana pancakes and riding off into the sunset. That. That made me chuckle. Wait, what banana pancakes? Like the, the singer Jack Johnson? Oh, 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 oh. You forget okay. about the okay. singer. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. involved yeah. in hockey. I know. <laughs> I was like, wait, what is he like? Really like banana pancakes or something? Uh, I mean, I, I'll put it that I wouldn't bring Ryan Murray back at $2 million a year. That's what he's on right now. Wow. I, I wouldn't do that. No, that's that's hefty. Yeah, yeah. no. Um, I mean, we can't even really say what he brought to the table because he literally – didn't bring much at all. Well, what sucks is that when he started playing well, right near the end of the season, the injuries kicked in, which was always the thing with him was, are the injuries going to get in the way? And they did. And so it's like, I wouldn't bring him back for two. I'd maybe bring him back for a million. Yeah. 1.2. Um, hey, come, come back, be part of it. Be a sixth, seventh D when we need you. 
you were part of the group. Everyone likes you. You, you, you got your name on the cup. Come try for yep. one more if we need you. But other than that, I have nothing to add. I think that's spot on. Um, Darcy, Darcy Kemper. He's the last guy we got to talk about. I'm going to, I'm going to default to you on this one. Uh, well, I'm a big proponent of not fixing what's not broken. Right. And it feels like he was adequate for it. Yep. Was he amazing? No. Did he get the job done? Obviously. Yeah, absolutely. And yep. he, he did well. I mean, allowing and one he battled too. allowing one goal against Tampa Bay in that uh, final game and credit to the guys in front of him. But obviously they like to play in front of him. Right. Yep. Allowing only four shots in that third period. I think tells you everything you need to know about what this team's capable of defensively. So if the defense shuts them down, like we saw them do all year, then you have a guy who can get the job done. And that's all you need at this point. You don't need a stellar goaltender with this group in front of you. Not to mention, I love the second goalie too, the backup goalie. And just having that tandem gives me a lot of comfort because when Darcy Kemper slips or gets hurt or pokes his eye out, (laughs) is there and uh, he's there. He's more than just there. He's, yeah. He gives everybody confidence that, okay, this guy could easily be our number one goalie as well right. here. So, um, Well, they I, seem like they have a good relationship. Exactly. So I think you don't want to mess with the tandem. I think the tandem is what's stronger than just simply Darcy Kemper. I like having that 1A, 1B guys. And, uh, yeah, I think you're, you're set up perfectly with these two. And I think, you know, we, we've, we talked a bunch on our show this year about Vegas and the way that they've handled some of their guys. Um and and in the exact opposite light, I feel like the Avs did well by Darcy the, the, this postseason, saying like, "Hey, we brought you in to be our guy. We're gonna let you be our guy." And and you know they 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 put the confidence behind him. They said, "We're going back to you after the rough outing in Game Three, no question." And, and I love Bednar's quote. He said, "We believed in him. The team believed in him. I just had to make sure he believed in himself." And as soon as I realized, as soon as I knew he believed in himself, we were good. We were fine. To, to, we, we knew we were going back to him. And, and I thought games, uh, uh, f- I thought four five and six were his best games of the playoffs. Played his best at the right time. Yeah. I guess it's about how much he gets, right? A lot of people thrown in the chat about six mil. That, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot for Dr. Yeah. Kevin. Not to mention this year, they had an entire, what was it, million still held uh, by Arizona. So yes. they got him on the cheap. Yep. Um, are they going to be able to get him on the cheap again? Who knows? Uh, but six mil would be too much. I'm with you guys out there. Yeah. I like that. There you go. Ben Swain again. Ben Swain's on fire. Dude, crushing Four it. Four by five. I yeah. like that. I'm in. So uh, we'll, we'll wrap this up as we're now officially at 90 minutes. But here's the one thing I will. Uh, last thing I'll throw out there is kind of a, a teaser to offseason stuff. There's one name out there that I was told. And again, this is rumor, 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 light, rumor. Right. Light treading on this, but I was told by someone who I feel fairly confident in the stuff they tell me um, that there is some mutual interest in a one year big money deal for Claude Giroux. That there's some interest with Giroux to now again. There's 1,000 things that could change over between now and the 13th, and this could never even get close to happening. But then I guess there, there's been a little bit of buzz out there that th- there's a couple names that the abs are looking at saying, hey, look, 
We're going to sign McKinnon this year to his extension, but we still have one year of kind of play. And I was told that the abs are maybe looking to take a one-year big swing at a couple of these big names that are out there. So just keep an eye. Claude Giroux was the one that was floated to me. All right, for my banger, as we head out of here, I'm with Kevin Wong. I think my hot take of the offseason is Philip Forsberg. I think there's always been smoke around that name in the avalanche. Uh, I think they were kind of close on him on the trade deadline. This is just my speculation mm-hmm. based off you know things I've heard, things I've seen. And uh, not to mention that when he first got started, there's connections there with right, the avalanche. Right. I think the avalanche are eyeing Philip Forsberg really hard. I think they're going to go after him, especially if they get some room on the cap. So that's my hot take. Love it. You know, kind of just something I uh, put, put together myself. Yeah, didn't, yeah. didn't hear a rumor from anybody. Didn't hear any hot takes. Just, just, just putting the pieces sense. together that are out there. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Oh, did I get it. Um, dude, I know this, this went a long time, but I really appreciate you driving down here and uh, hanging out and, and putting this show on with you. No, it was a blast. Uh, it didn't feel like a show at all. It just felt like me and you talking <laughs> just like we did all, all week in Tampa Bay. So, yeah, I'd love to do it. As much as you want to have me. And uh, yeah, I can't believe it. an hour and a half went by so quick. Yeah, no, dude, we will have you. Uh, I'll have you back over here a bunch and we'll, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into those Breck brews. We'll uh, just seltzers only. Seltzer and salad. It's the yep. summer of seltzer and salad. Right. After we go on a nice exercise, right? Yeah, Turn all yeah, these yeah. French fries off. Uh, this is DNVR Avalanche podcast. He's JJ. I'm Jesse. Thank you guys all so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys uh, on Tuesday. No show Monday for 4th of July. Have a great long holiday weekend. We'll talk USA. to Talk to you guys next week.